Well, come on, if you love Jesus, put those hands together. Oh, come on, if you really love Jesus, put those hands together. I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Join the person hand to your left and your right. Father, we thank you for the hand that we hold in. We gently squeeze our neighbor hand to let them know whatever they've been through. Thank God it didn't kill them. We gently squeeze our neighbor hand the second time to let them know that we believe that the worst is behind them and the very best is ahead of them. And then perhaps, God, on tonight, someone came to this gathering and said, I don't know what a miracle feels like. We gently squeeze our neighbor hand to let them know they're standing next to a miracle. Now, God, on tonight, let them not see jazz, but let them see Jesus. Let them not hear jazz, but let them hear Jesus. And when all is said and done, we thank you that your name will be glorified. We know that your people will be edified and the very devil will be horrified. Because we ask it in the precious, the powerful, the permanent name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the people of God who believe that you're walking, talking, breathing miracle, release that hand and give God a miracle praise in this place. My mama is from South Carolina. My daddy's from Georgia. I'm from Trinidad. Y'all gonna figure that out. My mama is from South Carolina. My daddy is from... Georgia, and I'm from Trinidad. Y'all can figure that out. Tell your neighbor, say, get the book, get the book. Uh, my mama is from South Carolina. My daddy is from Georgia, and I'm from Trinidad. And I say that to say because my mama went home to be with the Lord three years ago, three, four years ago, and she said, you only have one time to make a lasting impression. So this is my first time meeting y'all. And I just want to know, is there anybody in here who loves the Lord? That's what I want. You, you only got one time to convince me. Is there anybody that loves the Lord? You only got one time. You only got one time to convince me that you love him. If you really love him, open your mouth and tell him you love him. Come on in. Love him. Show some sign. If you really love him. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, and then Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4, if you're there, holler back word. Amen. Look at verse number 16, and it reads as follows. When Jesus was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jump over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afraid, uh, afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and says unto him, If thou be the Son of God, 
cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil takes him up into the exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and says unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. Then says Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. Then the devil leaves him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Look at verse number one. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry, and the tempter came and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Look at your neighbor in the eyes on your way to your seat, and would you give them my sermon title? It's a neighbor. The devil never made him do it. Uh, you may be seated in the presence of God. My brothers and sisters in Christ and creation, we know we are in what is known as Pentecost season. For we know we have celebrated the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if in your reformation, that we celebrated what is known as Pentecost. Pentecost reminds us of two things. It reminds us of the birth of the church, and secondly, it reminds us of the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We remember Pentecost, we remember Acts chapter 1 verse number 8, for you shall receive power, dunamis, after the Holy Spirit have come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost part of the world. See, my brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer, empower and equip the believer to at least do two things. When the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit educates you and equip you so you can be his witness. That's what the Bible said. He said, you shall receive dunamis, dynamite power after the Holy Ghost have come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost part of the world. In other words, the first people who ought to know there's a change in your life should be the people you're living with. It should be your family, Jerusalem, then Judea, your neighborhood, Samaria, and the utmost part of the world. When the Holy Spirit comes into the believer's life, the Holy Spirit educates you, equips you, and empowers you to be a witnesses of the goodness of God. He uses you to let your light shine among men so they may be good 
works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But there's a second reason why the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost shows up not just to use me to be a witness, but the Holy Ghost shows me, he shows up in my life to equip me so I can walk in victory. Let the church say victory. The Holy Ghost shows up in my life not necessarily for me to shout. I can do that if I just got a beat. The Holy Ghost shows up not so I can run. I can run wherever I feel like running. But the Holy Ghost shows up to equip me and empower me so I can have victory. And the Holy Ghost shows up so I can have victory over the world, victory over the devil, and victory over my flesh. The Holy Spirit shows up so I can have victory over the world. He tells you and I love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We know we've got victory over the world. That while we are in the world, we are not of this world. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world cannot stand you because you to the world. You're just passing through. We are light in this world, but we are not to stay in this world. And the Bible tells us that the only things that are in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Those are the things that are in the world. But thanks be unto God, he's already given us victory over the world. The second thing that he's given us victory over is our flesh. That we already got the victory over our flesh. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but I live. And the life I now live, I live it by the Son of God. In other words, he said, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course not. Don't you know that you already got victory over your flesh? That whatever you're facing in your flesh, whether it's a struggle or whether it's a sickness, you already got the victory. You've got victory over the world. You've got victory in your flesh. That there's no stronghold. There's no demon that can attack you. There's no generational curse. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, he's a yoke destroyer, a bondage brother. I promise I'll preach. When the Holy Spirit shows up in my life, the things I used to do, I don't do them no more. The places I used to go, I don't go them no more. The things I used to function in, I don't do it. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I've got victory over the world. I got victory in my flesh. But there's a third thing that when the Holy Spirit shows up, he reminds me and he gives me victory, and that is I've got victory over the devil. Oh, God, hold on. I said I've got victory over the enemy. I've got victory over every demonic attack. I've got victory over every spiritual wickedness. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But because Jesus sent the Holy Ghost, the devil does not have a stronghold over my life. And I think nothing exemplify, nothing or no text exemplify what victory somebody has. 
Nothing exemplifies victory over the enemy like our biblical text. When we look at Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus teaching you and I how to have victory over the enemy. And because Jesus conquered him 2,000 years ago, we're not fighting for victory. We already got it. I just said something. I said we're not fighting for victory. We already got it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus won the victory. We're not fighting for victory. We already we already got it. And we see Jesus shows you and I how to really have victory over the enemy. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus arrives on the scene and he's being baptized by his cousin John. Now at this point, Jesus is at the age of 30. He comes out from hiding at the age of 30 and he's about to be baptized by his cousin John. The last time we saw Jesus, he was 12 years of age. He was in the temple having a conversation with all the prophets and all the preachers. But from 12 to 30, there is no biblical record. Jesus has been up to. We call those the hidden years of Jesus. From 12 to 30, we don't know what he did. From 12 to 30, there's no biblical record. And the reason why there's no biblical record of what Jesus did between 12 to 30 is because scripture is teaching us a principle that it's in the hidden years, character is developed. I promise I'm going somewhere. I said, it's in the hidden years, character is developed. You see, character is revealed in public, but it's developed in private. You see, okay, I said it again. I said, character is revealed in public, but it's developed in private. In other words, your praise is revealed in public, but it's developed in private. I know if you got a private praise because of what you're doing publicly, and if you ain't got a private praise, when you show up in here, you can't praise him publicly because you ain't got a private praise. Here it is, Jesus from the age of 12 to 30. It's called the hidden years. Jesus is in hiding because it's in the hidden years that character is developed. And Jesus shows up after in hiding and at the age of 30, he shows up at the Jordan and he gets to the Jordan and now he's being baptized by his cousin John. It's at the Jordan while he's baptized, the Bible says the heavens open up, a dove descend and a voice from heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't miss that. He's baptized in the Jordan. The heavens open, a dove descend, and there is a voice that said, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Now notice the affirmation of the father. The father affirms Jesus. This is my beloved child. Now what I get excited about is the father affirms him before he preaches a first sermon. The father affirms him before he performs a miracle. The father affirms him before he heals anybody. The father affirms him not because of what he did, but because of who he is. And that ought to teach you something. Affirmation. 
your affirmation. The song is going in and out. The affirmation, I'm going on the floor. Can y'all bring that podium on the floor? Because I can't mess this word up tonight. The affirmation comes not in what you are doing, but because of your being. This is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. You're pleased with not my doing, but my being. Because so many of us get so consumed with our doing, we forgot our being. But the Father said, before you do anything, you're still my beloved. Before you preach a sermon, you're still my beloved. Before you do anything, you're still my beloved. Because I love you, not because of what you're doing. I choose to love you in spite of you and not because of you. This is my beloved child in whom I'm. Now, there is affirmation, but secondly, there is identification. Y'all taking note? There is affirmation. This is my beloved affirmation, but secondly, is identification. My beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. There is affirmation and there is identification because identification is prerequisite to my destination. God, I, I promise I'm going to. I said my identification is prerequisite to my destination. You ain't ready for your destination until you understand your identification. God, I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you're not too sure who you are when you get to your destination, somebody going to change you and try to use you. But when you know who you are, there is affirmation, there is identification, but number three, there is celebration. God, my God, I, yeah. Whenever he affirms you and he identifies you, it's time to celebrate you. I don't know who I came to preach to tonight, but tell your neighbor, the Father is about to celebrate me. He's about to elevate me. He's about to open doors for me. He's about to make ways for me. He's me coming and going. There is affirmation. There is identification and there is celebration. All in Matthew chapter 3. This is my beloved affirmation. Son, identification in whom? Celebration. Okay, I'll give it to you. There is affirmation. This is my beloved child. This is my beloved son. Affirmation, identification, sonship. Not servant, son, in whom I'm well pleased. At the Jordan, there is affirmation, there is identification, and there is celebration, and Jesus hasn't done anything in ministry. He doesn't heal anybody. He doesn't deliver anybody. He doesn't bless anybody. And yet the Father affirms him, not for his doing, but his being. He identifies, this is not just my son, but my beloved son. In 
in whom I well please. That's chapter 3. At chapter 3, there is affirmation, there is, and there is. So if you lose everything you got, there is still affirmation. There is still identification, and there's still celebration. Would you slap five with your neighbor and say, neighbor, everything I got, if I lose it all, I'm still somebody because the stuff don't make me, I make the stuff. The stuff don't make me. The only reason why the stuff look this good is because I'm wearing it. Is there anybody in here? There is, there is, there is affirmation. There is identification and then there is celebration. When he comes out of the Jordan about to enter into ministry, he goes in with affirmation. He goes in with a sense of identification and there is celebration. When I was at the hotel earlier, as I was flipping through the, uh, the television, I was looking on um, HBO, and they were doing a documentary of Whitney Houston. And they said the higher she went, because she wasn't too sure of her identification, when she hooked up with Bobby, she took on his identification. Because when you don't know who you are, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. That's chapter three. And then I get to chapter four and it said, then was Jesus led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted. Now the last time I saw the spirit, he was over the water in the Jordan. That's the dove that descended. The same spirit that leads me in the water now takes me in the wilderness, God. Uh, man, I wish I had a sound in here. I, the, the same spirit that took me in the water now takes me in the wilderness. And you see, some of you are you make the assumption that it's the devil that got you in the wilderness but the same spirit that took you out of the Jordan God. now listen he won't lead you where he can't keep you God, I just... now, now if the same spirit that took me in the Jordan now take me in the wilderness and notice when he takes me there after there is affirmation, identification, and celebration, I leave the water and I enter the wilderness. Because remember what I told y'all, character is developed in private, but it's revealing. I don't know if you got it together until you get out the Jordan. God, I wish anybody can shout in the Jordan. Anybody can praise him in the Jordan. Anybody can holler in the Jordan. But is there any wilderness worshiper? I said, are there any wilderness? He's in the, come on, y'all gonna mess the DVD up. Sit down, we're just talking now. Yeah, yeah, sit down. I'm on the floor. So, so they can get this thing right. Uh, 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 uh. He leaves the water and now he enters 
the wilderness. Now the same spirit that led him in the water leads him in the wilderness. Y'all giving the devil too much credit. This in the devil doing something. The same spirit, mama, that took him in the water, took him in the wilderness. And he spent 40 days in the wilderness. And Bishop Jake said it profoundly. Bishop Jake said, how is it that it says in Matthew chapter 4 that being filled with the spirit, but he's still hungry? Okay, y'all missed it. Y'all missed You feel and hungry because the temptation attacked the place where you're hungry. God, I wish. Okay, y'all missed it. Yeah, temptation only shows up in the places where you're hungry because everybody was born with seven appetites. Seven appetites. There's a love, an appetite for companionship, an appetite for sex, an appetite for significance, whatever your appetite is, that's where the enemy attacks. He attacks not in the place of your weakness, but the place of your strength. He doesn't say to Delilah, tell me where your weakness is. He said, tell me where your Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and the text said, now, after or in the midst of 40 days, the devil shows up to tempt him. And there is, y'all call it three temptation, but really scholars call it one temptation. It's one breaking down in three. The devil looks at Jesus and said, if you are the son of God. Did y'all see that? No, y'all didn't see that. Did y'all see that? That's Matthew chapter 4. If you are the Son of God. What you mean if? I see your next convocation. What you mean if? You were at my baptism. You heard what my name is. You see, the Father affirmed you, not for you, but for your haters to hear about you. God, I got to get out of here. I need you to pull your neighbor by the hand and say, when the Father affirmed you, it wasn't about you. It's for every hater to hear what the Father think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, my argument, my mega, my argument, my argument, apostle, is that this was not the first time Jesus heard the voice of the Father. This wasn't the first time. This was the first public announcement. But the announcement went public, but it started private. So the Jordan announcement wasn't for the for Jesus, Jesus had already heard that in private. It was for every devil who was at your baptism. God, I, I don't know who I came to preach to, but I feel something pushing me. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, that's why he won't kill your enemy because 
a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He got to anoint your head with oil, your cup run it over. It's at the Jordan. He's affirmed. There's identification. There is celebration. But Matthew chapter 4 is to see if you believe what you heard in chapter 3. The temptation is not about bread. It's not about jumping off of a cliff. It's about, do you believe what had been spoken over your life, God, I wish, yeah, because if you don't believe it, you will give in to temptation and be everything that you're not supposed to be. So the trick of the enemy in chapter 4 is to see if you really believe what's been spoken in you in chapter 3. And look how the enemy starts off. If you are the son of God. Now, he used everything that was spoken in chapter, but he leaves out one word, beloved. Okay, y'all missed it. He, he, he. Now remember in chapter three, this is, chapter four, if you are, now there's a different mama Boswell in being a son and being beloved, son. God, y'all ain't hearing me. If you ever get a glimpse that you ain't just a son, but you are the, God, I wish I, would you at least touch two people and say, I'm the beloved, I'm the beloved. It's one thing for somebody to love you. It's another thing when the daddy say, I don't just love you, you are my, oh, come on, put your hands on yourself and say, I'm the beloved of God. Brethren, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him because we shall see him as he. Whatever he says I am, that's what I am. If he said I'm the head, I'm the head. If he said I'm chosen, I'm chosen. Whatever he said I am, that's what I am. And the enemy is to make you question who you are in the eyes of God. If you are the son of God. What you mean if? And he goes through a series. If you are the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus responded, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's proceeded out of the mouth of God. Hey, if you are the son of God, why didn't you take a shortcut and instead of being a savior, be a superman? Jump off of a cliff. See, I, I see all these clergies you've got here. Yeah, uh, the trick of the enemy is to make you give up clergy and become celebrity. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, and, and jump, jump off of a cliff, and, 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 and you know the angels are going to catch you. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then he said, if, if you are the son of God, he takes him on a high mountain, and he said, why don't you bow down and worship me, and I'm going to give you 
all the kingdom. Look at the trick of the enemy. How you going to give me what's already mine? God, I'll see y'all later. How you going to give me when the keys of the kingdom has been given to me that whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You can't give me what ain't yours to give. Jesus said, I will worship only one true God. You see, it's one thing if you mess with my bread. It's one thing if you want me to act like Superman. But Jesus had had enough when the enemy tried to mess with his worship. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you can have the money. Tell him, say, you can have the honey. Tell him, you can have the job. Tell him, you can have the car. But the one thing you can't have is my praise. Uh, is there anybody in here who said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, if I lose it all and still got my shout, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Bless be the name of the Lord. In, in, in chapter 3, there is water. In chapter 4, there is the wilderness. In, 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 chapter, in chapter 3, the word is over me. In chapter 4, the word is in me. See, okay, I come get you. There has to come a point in your life that if nobody speak another word over you, you got enough word inside of you that you can step out of yourself and look at yourself. David said, when I couldn't find anybody to encourage me, I encourage myself. Give your neighbor a high five and say, if you don't holler for me, it ain't gonna bother me. I holler all by myself. I shout all by myself. I scream all by myself. Cause days enough, it's like fire. In chapter three, in chapter three, the word is over me. But in chapter four, the word is. He, he, he ain't got time to reach for no Bible. He ain't got time to call bishop and apostle. He said, "It is written." The word moves from being over you to now being inside of me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the law, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a coconut tree. Uh, come on up in here. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. His leaves shall not prosper. His family will prosper. Everything he does shall prosper because his word is in him. And Jeremiah said, I try to keep quiet, but it was so much word in me. It's like fire. I said fire. Is there anybody in here who said every time I read the word, it's it's like fire shut up in my bone. The word in chapter 3 is over me. The word in chapter 4 is in me. Uh, in, in, in chapter 3, oh God, uh, you got insurance? Okay, uh, in, 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 in chapter 3, God speaks. In chapter 4, the devil speaks. In chapter 3, God speaks. 
in chapter 4, the devil speaks. Notice when the devil speaks after God has spoken. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Yeah, yeah. The only time the devil speaks is after God has spoken because the devil is not an originator. He's a cheap copycat. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. He can't speak until God has spoken. You see, in chapter 3, heaven open. In chapter 4, hell open. In chapter 3, you hear the voice of God. In chapter 4, you got the voice of the devil. Chapter 3, there's the water. In chapter 4, there's the wilderness. In chapter 3, the word is a dove. In chapter 4, it's a spirit. And Jesus goes through all three temptation. And he gets to the last one. Devil said, if, hey, I, I, why don't you just bow down and worship me? Do you know it's not even about any of those temptations? It was to see, do you believe what's been spoken over your life? Somebody at the sound of my voice, I'm through. Stand up here. They're going to get it together. I'll come back next year. Come on, stand up. How can they hear without a good mic? <laughs> I bought a word. I need help all the time. Stand all over this building. There's a word spoken over you. You know, every time I talk about the Spirit, I be three weeks ago I started preaching on the Holy Spirit. And two weeks ago, my sound went out. Last week, my soundboard caught on fire. I preach everything for a whole year, and nothing happened. And every time I walk in a room to deal with this text, I could have tell y'all I was going in warfare. Because the enemy never wants you to know that victory even over the enemy. Um, 17, mama, is the number for victory. Would you ask your neighbor, what year are we in? God, I'll see y'all later. What year are you in? What year? It's the year, and 17 ain't just the number for victory. It's the number for complete victory. Now, I told my church this year, I told my church this year that God is guaranteeing victory in five areas. I'm going to give it to y'all, and whenever I get to yours, just holler at me. This year, God said, I'm going to give you victory in your faith. Anybody need victory in their faith? Now, there is, there is, there is, there is 11 levels of faith. We start off with weak faith, little faith. And then there is what I call this complete faith. And this complete faith, and I know I'm going to mess with all these theologians in here. This complete faith is not even found in Jesus. It's found in Abraham. Okay, I'll, I'm come get you, I promise. Uh, Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days right i'll raise it right we know to be a fact that jesus died right was buried put in a burial tomb everybody agree with that stone was rolled he stayed there for three days that that jesus had the faith that said 
if you kill me in three days, in three days, and you gonna have to, you can get off of that because they gotta hear me. I appreciate it, but they can't hear me and hear you. Okay, thank you. In three days, somebody say three days. He said, if you bury me in three days, I'm going to get up. The Lord shows up and says to Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and offer him as a, not just a sacrifice, a bone sacrifice. Now that means, mama, don't just kill him, but burn him, cremate him. That means if you cremate the ashes, mature faith is not just believing that God can raise the dead, but even if you cremate me and my eye is in the Pacific Ocean and my toe in the Atlantic Ocean, and my backbone is in Australia, and my left hand is in Africa. God is able to find all the parts and put, my God, y'all in here in me. I wonder if there's anybody that got that kind of faith. Tell your neighbor, say, I got that kind of faith. It's not just dead, but it's been cremated, but he's able to find the pieces and put it back together. How many of you believe in God for that kind of faith? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. This year, he's going to give you victory in your... But here's the second thing. He promised me he's going to give you victory in your family. Anybody need victory in your family? Anybody needs victory in your family? Anybody is believing God for a son? Believing God for a daughter? Believe grandchildren. Believe in God for your marriage. Can you shout like he's already done it? He's going to give you victory. Victory in your faith. Victory in your family. Victory in your friends. Your friend. Tell you, say, now I know why I'm standing next to you. Because it's going to be a corporate victory. Here's number four. Victory in your finances. Tell your neighbor, said, this is as broke as I'll ever look. Now, that's the wrong neighbor. Said, this is as crazy as I'll ever look. This is as jacked up as I'll ever look. But number five, he's going to give you victory in your flesh or in your fight. And the devil never made him. He never made him do it. He couldn't make him do it because he had enough word in him. Hey, Apostle, this is my first time here, and, you know, I'm not sinless, but I'm sinning. Amen. I'll get that again. I said, I'm not sinless, but I'm sinning. Amen. Tell him, he said, me too. Amen. Tell him I'm making progress. Amen. Uh, yeah, I'm not what I'm supposed to be, but I'm not what I... You, I make, I'm making progress. I dare you to just take two steps and say, I'm making progress. I, I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I should be. And, and I'm looking ahead. The Bible says that after Jesus faced all the temptation, 
that the devil left him for a season and the Lord sent an angel to minister to him. You know, the strange thing is this, and I'm getting ready to close this. You don't even know for the last 40 minutes that you've been standing next to an angel. See, you make the assumption that angels got wings and got halos. And, but the Bible says, be careful how you entertain strangers from Trinidad. Okay, from wherever. Because you might be entertaining angel. As the musician plays softly, somebody has left the water and they're in the wilderness and they need the angel who's been standing with them to strengthen them. Would you look to your neighbor to your left and your right, join hands with them? You don't have to know what they're going through, but would you start whispering a prayer for them? Just start whispering a prayer. You don't know what temptation they're facing. You don't know what battle they're facing. You don't know what struggle they're experiencing. But oh, come on and whisper a prayer for them. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, God. There you go. Beautiful. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, God. Whatever they're facing. God, you've spoken a word over their lives. You've spoken a word over their lives. Seal that word. Father, there's somebody who don't feel affirmation. Somebody who don't feel they know their identity. Somebody don't hear you celebrating them. But, oh, God, we affirm them. We affirm them. And this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. He's breathing on you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased. And the Bible says when a man ways please him, he makes his enemy his footstool. You're the apple of his eyes. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. Let that sink in. If I don't preach another sermon, I'm still his beloved. If I don't go to a large church, I'm still his beloved. Because being his beloved has nothing to do with my doing. It has to do everything with my being. And so, Father, remind each person of the word that you have spoken over their lives. And in days and weeks and months to come, when the enemy tried to steal that word, may they have enough word in them to remind him of what was spoken over their lives. We say thank you. Just find at least five people and tell them you're the beloved of God. You're the beloved. Just, just embrace them. Just speak that over their life. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. You're the, you're the beloved. You're the...
Yeah, number love. Yeah, yeah, number love.